Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Hi, everyone. Vicki Vasilega here. Thanks for listening in to today's COVID-19 podcast. Today's feature podcast is from a COVID-19 webinar recorded earlier that you may have missed or may want to hear again. So let's listen in as our content matter experts share their experiences and recommendations for optimal patient care and operational strategies. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to ASHP's podcasts. Thank you everyone for, for that great overview of the Providence system. You guys are clearly a complex health system that covers a lot of geography and subsequently a varied impact from COVID-19. Um, there were so many issues to address at once. Uh, ranging from the emergent patient management, drug supply, and workforce decisions to the urgent sustainability and projection uh, projection management decisions. So, Jen, can we turn it back over to you and discuss the journey Providence St. Joseph experienced to set the stage for today's discussion? Absolutely. Pharmacy's COVID journey started in the end of February as we began to engage with the system COVID huddles. In the beginning, we quickly realized that there was a need to replicate the system communication structure in a way that was respectful of the time of the Pharmacy Governance Council members and also allowed us to focus on hotspot areas first, like Washington and Swedish. We established a virtual command center where communications were sent daily or multiple times a day from our system team and huddles with hotspots occurred daily before the 7.30 system huddle. Shortly after that was stood up, we realized a pressing issue was hand sanitizer. Compounding hand sanitizer required 55 gallon drums of alcohol. Storing this at each acute care hospital was not feasible. So we partnered with Home Infusion Pharmacy to have them compound it and distribute it via supply chain. The acute care team also helped to find N95 mask fit testing solution compounding recipes. And for similar reasons, worked with Home Infusion to have them compounded for the system. A few days later, to minimize aerosol exposure to COVID, all sites needed to convert from NEBS to MDIs. There was a great deal of regional variation that needed to be taken into account, as well as emerging MDI allocations, because many health systems were starting to engage in similar practices. The MDI allocations then turned into product allocations for all medications, which prompted the need for the development of the top 25 drug list. This list is updated daily by our wholesaler and is used by our buyers to be responsive to market shortages or allocation limits. One of the strategies that evolved from this list was the creation of bulk buys, which allowed for product to be sent to one location and then redistributed from the regions or ministries. As you'll see later on in the timeline, we also developed protocols around shared MDI use with proper disinfection in between appropriate cohorts of patients. We then developed procurement options around medication storage devices, for example, automated dispensing cabinets, medication carts, code carts, long-term care support for the regions. And depending on the stage of surge planning, the regions were then able to adopt options to what they needed. Afterwards, Work occurred around how to properly disinfect meds not used in a COVID code that are returned to pharmacy. We also continued to navigate medication shortages through a variety of pathways, 
such as our super buyers group that focuses on procurement and inventory sharing, and our shortages group that focuses on the development of clinical algorithms to follow for alternate medication use as another tool to manage shortages. Most recently, we created our essential drug list, a hybrid of our COVID medication watch list and medications needed for the surgical ramp up. We use this tool in partnership with our wholesaler to help make sure we are focused on maintaining appropriate inventory levels for these medications. Although the COVID pharmacy response involved long and arduous days, there were many bright spots that surfaced as a result of all of this transformative work, which we will cover a little later in the presentation. David, I will hand the presentation back over to you. Great. Thanks, Jen. I mean, that, wow, I was looking at everything along the timeline and all these ma massive key core activities you guys were changing. Um, and clearly there's significant coordination and, and challenges just to implement that across, across such a large health system. You know, recognizing the critical balance um, of building a system-wide infrastructure to leverage your assets and strength. Um, I'm sure there were also a lot of unique challenges and needs to influence and integrate and execute the decisions at the local hospital and patient care sites. Sally, can we turn it back to you with your responsibilities for a regionally-based hospital um, that includes the Academic Medical Center, but also the, the critical access hospitals, and describe the experience that you had and some of the lessons learned? Yes, thank you so much, David. Um, so there are really three main areas of focus that I kind of want to talk about uh, for that question. And the first one is that we really needed to be very, very good and very quick about coordinating information. And so that way we're, we all have the same consistent information across the board. And with COVID, I'm sure everyone is, is aware, um, you know, the daily challenges is that we've, we had changes constantly happening um, on, on the hour, not even just on a daily basis. And so the challenge was how do we get that information out to the frontline team in a consistent and an efficient manner? And so we developed a lot of different team huddles that we were able to kind of communicate back to the frontline caregivers of what the action plans are, what the issues are, how we're addressing them. So we established daily huddles, um, once in the morning, once in the afternoon, and throughout those huddles, we would actually have a standing agenda item in all of our ministries for COVID response, um, how many patients are in each ministry that we're taking care of, um, as far as any issues with supply chain that we're addressing, um, anything along the lines of information that needed to go out to the teams would actually go out to the team during those huddles for as far as verbal communication. Those huddles were also um, had minutes recorded that would be sent out via email so that way everyone has access to the information in a written format. And we also developed a SharePoint uh, drives website where we would ha we would update on a you know on a daily basis, anything that's, uh, any information that's coming through would be updated timely on that website as well. So that way, all different kinds of forms of communication that would go out to the front line so everyone is, uh, is aware of the happenings. And if I can go to the next slide, please. 
Um, the second thing that we really needed to make sure that we're addressing and that we're paying attention to is that there is unique differences between the hospital sizes and the different locations. And, um, and so, as you can see on the slide, St. Vincent comparing to Seaside is very, very different. Um, geographically, St. Vincent's is right in the middle of uh, Portland, and so we saw the majority of uh, COVID patients here in the area. And our main focuses were mainly on inpatient services. So how do we continue giving quality care in our ED, in our oncology unit, in pediatrics, NICU, so on and so forth? For Seaside, um, being a critical access hospital, uh, we still continued, obviously, testing patients for COVID, seeing patients. But we also had a very heavy outpatient services um, at Seaside. And so uh, our main priority was to look at our anticoagulation clinic, for example. How do we continue to provide services for our patients through the anticoag clinic? And so we implemented a drive-through service. Uh, for pharmacotherapy clinic, how do we continue to give those services as well? And so we ramped up on telehealth and to be able to kind of do virtual visits there. So we needed to really tweak our response uh, to each ministry according to the needs and to the patients that we're serving in those areas. Uh, next slide, please. The third thing that I really wanted to mention is that we definitely have to be agile in our response. And so you know, with, with COVID and everything that has happened, our uh, census has tremendously decreased. And we also saw a decrease in volumes for uh, both ED and surgical services. So, you know, with, with always our number one goal to continue to provide um, safe quality care, we also had a financial responsibility that we had to pay attention to and that we had to address. And so how do we continue giving our top quality and safety processes, but how do we do it more efficiently um, and more effectively? And that was one of really the main goals that we're actually focusing on right now um, as part of our recovery service. So I'll give you an example. Uh, pharmacy, our pharmacy departments within our ministries were fixed departments from a productivity standpoint. And so, you know, how do we transform to a flex department or a variable department, if you will, to adjust for the decrease in volumes that we've been seeing? And we really didn't want that process to be coming from a top-down approach where leadership is making the decisions. We wanted to hear the voices of our caregivers. And so what we ended up doing, we actually held many Kaizen events to involve the caregivers in the, in the decision. And we dedicated about three full days of these events. And it was different sample groups from um, all of our caregivers to include our technicians, our leaders, our clinical pharmacists, our pharmacy specialists, um, all different groups within our pharmacy to actually have their voice heard on how do we handle this kind of crisis that, that we're in and how do we manage it in a, in a financially responsible way while continuing our our safety and quality initiatives. And um, I will say those events were actually extremely, extremely productive and they went very well. Um, everyone felt engaged and involved in the solution. We were able to implement a lot of different ideas from the team as far as how do we manage our productivity in a better way. And actually as an outcome of those meetings, we also um, came up with ways to uh, improve some of our processes 
and also some initiatives that could potentially cause um, major cost savings for us as well. Thank you for listening in today. For more information, please be sure to check out the ASHP COVID-19 Resource Center at ashp.org backslash COVID-19. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.